Thank you all so much. It's great to be back here. I love coming back down here. And uh, not only to get to start off a new series, but to get us to start off a new year. So thank you. Everybody ready? Let's go. Here we go. So growing up, my family, we were all big campers. Right? I remember my mom and dad saying that we had camped in all of Georgia's state, I'm from Georgia, all of Georgia's state parks. And if you are a camper, or if you've ever camped, <clears throat> you've probably heard the, the golden rule of camping, certainly if you hike, but the rule goes like this, leave it better than you found it, right? And one of the scarring moments of my childhood occurred at a campground where I did not <laughs> do that. In fact, it was completely the opposite of leaving it better. Now, is it, is it um, Vogel State Park in North Georgia, Union County, and it was s'mores night, right? I was around 10 years old. Check out this dude. Check out the hair. Look at the teeth. How about, the, how about those teeth? The good thing about those teeth, I could get a pickle out of the bottom of a pickle jar like you read about. All right. That's enough of that. So the tree, look at the shirt. If you can't see it, it says tree all over it. We'll come back to that point. The tree shirt. So it was s'mores night, so all the kids are at the campground at the fire, right? And so for a s'more, you know, you, every, when you eat a marshmallow, you burn the outside, right? And then you pull the outside. I mean, what sicko weirdo doesn't eat a marshmallow like that, right? So I burn it, and I go to eat it, and all of a sudden, I wave it out, wave it out, right? And then I go to eat it, and I hear all these people screaming, and they're running over to this girl, and they're slapping this girl on her head, and she's screaming, it's that tree boy, it's tree boy. And so I look at my marshmallow, I look at the smoke coming off of her head, and I look at my tree, and I realize things were not better than I found them. Her hair, I quickly realize you can leave something better or not. Her hair was not better than I found it. My fondness with all the other fourth graders, not better than I found it. My fondness for camping, not better than I found it. Certainly my chances of having her as a girlfriend at that campground, not better than. That little dude left a swath of destruction and mayhem, scars and pain, and certainly shorter hair for her, right? So that brings me to the title of this lesson, Leave It Better Than You Found It. It's the universal rule of camping and hiking. But in reality, it should be the same for our story, our walk through life, right? And we've all had those moments in our lives where we wanted to leave it better. We really wanted to leave something better. But in reality, maybe we didn't. And there are many areas or moments of our lives where things weren't better than we found it, right? And I just want you to know, understand, that's understandable, even maybe expected, because everything that we touch can't be perfect. But if our intentions, our desired destination is in place, and our execution is better, not flawless, then our path is much more likely to be better than we found it. And I'd love to dive into those intentions today. So the subtitle when I wrote this lesson, How to Leave It Better Than You Found It, What the World Needs Now. Now that's an awfully huge task to write about what the world needs now and an even more arrogant attempt to think I can answer that. But I always write about things that I want to get better and study and get better at. So right whenever something stinks, check your own diaper first, right? So here we go. I don't know about you, but sometimes it just feels like the world is falling apart. 
But is it really? Well, the answer is unequivocally no. But here's why it might feel that way. Here's some reasons it might feel that way. Number one, fear and negativity sells, and they know it. I'll define who that is later. Number two, negative words are 16 times more powerful than positive ones, and they love negative words. Listen, when one street, in one town, in one state, in one nation, in one continent, in the whole world has a problem, they make it appear that it's the whole world. We were in Europe uh, this, this summer. We went on a family trip, and we were in Rhodes, Greece. If you don't remember, Rhodes, Greece had this massive fire this summer. The whole island's on fire, just people jumping in. It was just terrible. Houses on fire. And so we're on this cruise ship. Nobody could go into Rhodes, Greece. Everybody, nobody could fly in there. And so our cruise ship's going into Rhodes that day. I said, are we going to Rhodes? And they go, yeah, it's fine. So we get into Rhodes, we get on this, this bus, and we start going down the south end of the island. And I asked the guy, I go, hey, I don't see any fire. What, what went on? He goes, that was, it was the south end of the island. The, the, the wind blew the smoke out of the ocean. It was nothing. Some houses burned, but it was nothing like they said. And it completely ruined tourism for our whole, uh, our whole uh, island here. It ruined it. Negative words are far more powerful than positive ones. And last, the ones who tell the stories define the culture. So knowing this, what will it take to leave it better to turn around to this perfect world that we all want to live in? Which is funny, because if we defined what this perfect world that we all want to live in was, we'd have a zillion different directions of what we would say is perfect, right? So here it goes. Well, first of all, let me define what leaving it better than you found it means. Leaving it better than you found it means what you believe, what you say, and what you do. Move you and those around you toward a bigger purpose, higher influence, and greater satisfaction in life. But look, that could be toward bad things. I mean, Hitler thought he was doing that, right? So D.O. Moody said, our greatest fear should not be a failure but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And what are some of those things, by the way, that we might want to leave better than we found it as we start talking about this? To give you an idea as we discuss this topic, what are some things? We may want to leave where we work better than we found it. Our little league teams we're a part of and have influence on, leave those better. Our marriage, certainly. Our neighborhoods, leave that better than we found it. Your small groups, our country, leave that better than we found it. Certainly our families, leave that better than we found it. So there's got to be a rule, a life hack, a shortcut to help us do this possibly. Where might that advice be found? Hmm. Well, I found this letter from a guy named the Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12 too. He said this, Do not conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And sometimes when you read the Bible, we have those moments in our life where things are, are ready to land. And when I read this, yeah, I just felt a sense of peace and a sense of freedom when I read this. And Paul knew this. These are not my words. Elaine Dalton said, in order for you to make a difference in the world, you have to be different from the world. So what do these words even mean? And the Apostle Paul knew that when something conforms, it surrenders. It gives up. 
It takes the shape of whatever is trying to mold it. Like when you pour water into a vase, it takes the shape of that vase, right? But when you take that mold off of it, you take it out of that mold, it transforms into what it should be. And our world, as defined by social media, by news channels, by peer pressure, says that the more appetites we can satisfy, the happier we'll be. But even common sense knows that's crazy. A country that feeds itself an ever-increasing craving of appetites is a society that will eventually gorge itself to death. Well, Dale, well, look, progress is good. I, I, I agree. I do agree with that. But if we're always being told there's more out there, there's happier out there, and we're never satisfied with what we have, nothing will make us happy. And we will destroy anything in our path to try to find what's not there. And you'll feel like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that's not there. So the Apostle Paul tells us there's a better way, a new transforming way. And this is super old. This is thousands of years ago. And he knew exactly what we're going through. By the way, transform means to convert, to alter. Now, sometimes altering is not good, like this. I've been doing a couple of weddings lately, and one of them almost hap didn't happen. The bride comes up to me, and she says, Dale, I don't like crowds. I'm scared. I don't really want to do this. I said, here's what you do. You focus on three things. I want you to look down that aisle, and as you start walking, I want you to focus on the altar. And when you get down close, I want you to look at him. Go down that aisle. Look at that altar and focus on him. And the groom comes up to me afterwards. He said, Dell, I don't think this is going to make it. I said, why? He said, because she's walking to me going, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. <laughs> dad, dad, okay, I get it. So Paul tells us that we shouldn't be the same as the world and that we should let God change the way that we think. So how do we do that? Paul says, through renewing our minds. And here's why that's so important. As we go out to leave it better than we found it, my friend Tammy Matheny says, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. I love the word renew. When Paul used that word renew, it means to, reno to refresh, to rejuvenate, to renovate, to restore. But I looked up the opposite of renew. And it said exhaust, deteriorate. Anybody ever just feel exhausted these days, like you're just deteriorating? And I can tell you, since last June of 22, actually 22, I've spoken to 38,488 young adults about money in person. And I can tell you, they're feeling this exhaustion that we adults are laying on them. And what causes that is the grind of conforming to the world's path for your life. Because remember, the ones who tell the stories define the culture. And for most all of us, the world, those things in society I mentioned that are defining our lives, defining how we think, how we vote, how we treat others, how we expect others to treat us, and most importantly, those things are defining our children's lives exactly as they want to. And it should infuriate us. I said this a couple of years ago. I don't know who said this. What matters most to you matters least to people that don't matter. 
So how do we renew our minds as he talks about, which is the answer to leaving it better? Because remember, there's someone coming down the path behind us. And sometimes you have to plant trees under whose shade you'll never sit, right? So Dale, if we know social media is against us, if we know Hollywood's against us, if we know peer pressure is against us and our kids, can we do anything to win the war against leading the, leaving the world better than we found it? To not conform, but to renew. Well, it starts by renewing the mind. And to me, I may be wrong, but it starts by me asking myself three questions. And by the way, everybody has probably asked yourself these three questions. And the interesting thing is, the more we age, the more we ask these questions. So here are the questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And can it make a difference? So let's start with why am I here? Well, the easy answer is because God don't make no junk, right? <laughs> Let me back up. Think about this. It's maybe the most asked question in history. Why am I here? With the exception of why did Chick-fil-A take coleslaw off the menu? <laughs> is it just me? Huh? Is it just me, right? I'm still not letting that go. I think therapists even say it's okay to hang on to that one. I read a statistic the other day, the three people in the world that need the most security, you know, the president of the United States, the president of SeaWorld, and the person that took coleslaw off Chick-fil-A menus. Anyways, but think about it. Depression, people dealing with melancholy, passing away closely after retiring, much of this is associated with the question, why am I here? And to understand these answers, we first need to examine some of the causes, Right? And for so many people, work is what we base our identity, our purpose, our why on. And that's the answer. It's, it's, the, it's rooted in the success or failure of who we are. And it was never intended to be that way. My neighbor and good friend Tim Bailey says, your who should never be defined by your do. But they, oh, it just feels like my work is all my life is for. And we don't start it out wanting to be that way. It just becomes it. It's the unspoken societal rule of the means to the end. Something necessary to suffer through in order to, to accomplish the real things that you care about. And Paul has warned us to realize how counterproductive and undesirable what society and what they believe is. And we think one way. And the best thing for us is another way, like this. Truth is the dad, and we are the kid. Watch this. <laughs> More of the time, people pursue money over meaning, profit over purpose, and they have it backwards. And they're not getting the money nor the meaning. Let me give you a different path, a new, a new alternative. By the way, this has nothing to do with suggesting that you leave your jobs. We can do this exactly where we are. Follow me. Mark Twain once said, the two most important days in your life is the day that you were born and the day you figure out why you were born. And if that's the case... What if the whole rest of our lives were built around that why value? How do you do that? First, let me say we're all valuable, by the way, because we were created in the image of God. 
That means we have value, not necessarily produce value. Everyone can, but not everyone does. Well, let me define what I mean by value. It's a pretty bold statement. Let me define what I mean by value. Value is doing acts of worth or importance that elevate the quality of a person or environment. It becomes the standard or principle that guides actions and sets an environment. David Salyers was the last head of marketing for Chick-fil-A. And he said a life can consist of two paths. A life built on creating value for or extracting value from. And it's your choice. We got people dealing with anxiety, depression, anger, loneliness, even worse thoughts. And the greatest way to eliminate hopelessness and despair in our lives, to create a life that has meaning, it's through serving. It's becoming second to others. And we can do this in our jobs, in our careers. Society tells us to be first. This tells us to be first. And we try and love ourselves by serving ourselves. It's the world's greatest lie. There's something in our hearts. Our brain waves know this. You cannot place others first and have hopeless thoughts. It's impossible. Chemicals that get released in our brains. God even built a reward system that dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins that get released when you do good things. It's one more reason there's a God. Why would nature do this? Nature doesn't care. It does just the opposite in the law of entropy. It's impossible to feel hopeless when you're giving hope. I refuse to believe anything that God wants us to find our why in something greater than ourselves. So if that's why we're here, to elevate the quality of an environment, and the way we do that is by the, answering the last two questions. Number, the number two, what is my purpose? Oh, Dale, you always talk about purpose. I don't, I don't have a purpose. Yeah, you, everybody has a purpose. My pastor's mom said, son, everybody has a purpose. You can always serve as a bad example. <laughs> harsh, mom, harsh. But purpose is a really weird thing. Some people have it. Some people want it. Some people couldn't care less about it. But purpose is where we start to leave the world better than we found it. Let me explain purpose. Purpose is the thing you can't stop thinking about. I ain't talking about fishing. I ain't talking about shopping. I'm not talking about wine, right? It's the, it's the, it's the small group leader. It's the guitar playing you do. It's the speaking or the book writing you know you want to do. It's the business skills. It's the singing that you know you can and you should use to lift the environment of others. You got that thing. And the reason you can't stop thinking about it, it's part of God's plan for our lives, his wiring in our hearts. And if we were put here to elevate the environment, to serve others in some way, not just take up space, it makes sense God would put that thing he wants us to use in our hearts and on our minds. Why is this a big deal? Because our youth are dying for someone to follow. Just, just show, they're saying, just show me someone that's passionate about anything. And I drive my wife crazy about this stuff, by the way, y'all. The other day, I promise you, she says this verbatim. Why are you using your speaking hands with me to talk about a weather system that's moving in? 
Now, in fairness, she's very hardworking, but she's a little bit ADD. Her passion just flies all over the place. Like this, when I asked her what she was doing on the floor, she said, well, I needed to do the laundry. But then I realized I was out of detergent, so I went to write a shopping list and realized how unorganized the junk drawer was, so I started checking pens for ink. When I went to toss out all the junk, I saw that the trash was full, but before I took it out, I wanted to get rid of old food in the fridge. That's when I realized a juice drug had leaked, so I needed to clean it up. But when I went to grab a rag, I saw the pantry closet was a nightmare, so I started organizing it. And that's how I ended up on the floor looking at my photo album from the 1980s. <laughs> that's what I got. Oh, she wishes she were here with a microphone. Just show our youth someone that's passionate about anything. And I think we can turn to God for the answers on this subject of the purpose of our lives. I think it was Picasso that said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And people who have purpose discover who they are and how they've been gifted and then learn how to use that to be the best version of themselves and leave it better than they found it. Howard Thurman said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Well, Dale, I'm trying to figure that out. Here's a great quote I found. Now, this may help you. I don't know who said it. Listen to this. When I'm in my purpose, I feel like I owe it to you and am owed nothing. Listen to me. Say that again. When I'm in my purpose, I feel like I owe it to you and am owed nothing. Like speaking, I will go around and do this for free. Back to the spot. Purpose is a burden you feel that only you can solve with something only you can do like only you can do it. It's a burden something you feel only you are going to be able to solve with something only you are going to be able to do like only you are going to be able to do it. And at some point, you should believe you are the right person in the right place with the right ability to solve the right issue. Here's some examples. My wife, she makes these T-shirts. People bring T-shirts of their children graduating or marriages. Somebody passed away. She brings their shirt. And she cuts squares out and makes quilts of all these shirts. She's wise counsel to all of her friends. Everybody calls Kimberly Alexander and sits down and asks how to solve things. She's changing lives in Kenya, the work she's doing in Kenya. Here's what I don't think she realizes. She is super wise counsel for young moms with new kids. That's the lady you want to sit down with and talk to about that. Purpose is a, you may have heard the word calling. It just doesn't let you go. And here's why most of us fail. How do I know? Because there's a difference in our job and our calling, our thing. You find a job, but a calling finds you. People owe you for doing your job. You would pay people to do your calling. A job watches the time clock. A calling forgets when to eat. People thank you for a job. People want to watch you do your calling. Here's the crazy thing. When you will do that thing for free, 
Those are the people that will be the most successful at leaving it better than we found it. Far more successful. Dale, all I've ever had is hardship. I don't have a thing worth being excited about. I believe this. Sometimes God increases our inadequacy to increase our dependency. Maybe, maybe God will sometimes cripple us, maybe not always literally, but figuratively, to encourage us to talk to him. It may be even that the most valuable asset God has given you to steward is not a strength, but a weakness. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe anxiousness, maybe self-doubt, maybe failure, maybe fear is our prescription? This is dangerous for me to tread here, by the way. Listen, instead of the symptom of a problem, it's the answer to making us dependent on him and to listen to his purpose for our lives. To just lean in and listen for his calling on my life. I was listening to a lady, and she was doing what's called a TED Talk. Short 20-minute talks by subject matter experts. They're seen all over the world. And this lady was upset that she had cancer, and she was angry at God. She couldn't understand why, why that happened to her. But here she was. She was on this TED stage talking to millions of people about how she managed and overcame it. And possibly... She had the wrong perspective. Listen, I've never had cancer. I might do the same thing, but can we trust God in that? I mean, maybe that was her purpose. On that trip in Europe, I look up at this bridge with bungee jumping, huge bridge, and I started thinking, why would I trust a guy I've never met, he can't speak my language, that his equipment's good, his knots are tight, he knows what he's doing, that rope's secure, it's well tied, I'm going to pay him and jump off a 500-foot bridge. And I can't trust God. We don't know God's ways. And we expect perfect to be our version of perfect. But how do we know what the Creator meant for His creation? We don't. In God's not dead, Rice Brooks said this. When God said that is a good tree, he didn't mean it was nice to its fellow trees. He meant it was fulfilling its purpose. If you don't know the purpose of something, the abuse of it will be inevitable. He talked about stirring his coffee with your cell phone. If you want to know the purpose of the thing, you don't talk to the thing. You talk to the one that made it. Because there is a God, there's an ultimate purpose. And in coming to God as the creator, I can find out why he made me and fulfill that purpose. And our kids need to hear this because this is telling them that if they aren't X weight, if they don't are X looks, if they don't have X likes, they're a failure. Leave it better than we found it. And if our purpose is to elevate the environment, Maybe God gave each of us a gift. And here's the hardest part. The gift might be a flaw. And wouldn't he want us to use that, that gift to elevate a person or an environment? Again, sometimes maybe your gift is a hard experience that we're going through or a test or trial in our lives. I mean, isn't that a hard thing to comprehend? Here's a great quote. It's not always what you accomplished that matters. It could be what you overcame. 
And Mabel God will tell me, Dale, I don't know if you, uh, you all have, have told this story. I've had four strokes. But maybe God will tell me, Dale, I gave you the gift of four strokes to use that story and tell this person how you used it for good. And I knew you could. In the first stroke, I reached down, I took your right eye, and I took that eye away from you, and I knew you'd bless others with that story. Now, you did other stuff. You raised a family, you built a company, wrote a book, whatever, and that was your gift to me, like God's going to say, like I know what God's going to say. But I've thought through that a lot. And Paul talked about, you know, maybe God wants me to use those trials to elevate someone else's hopes and dreams, that they can come through that too. Even Paul talked about the thorn in his side. We don't know what that, that problem was. Listen to this. I got sent this one day. One day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through, and it will be someone's survival guide. Wow. Come on. Sometimes we want to grab the pen and write our own storyline instead of letting God write it for us. Mother Teresa considered herself a little pencil in the hand of God who is writing a love letter to the world. Recently, after one of the, my money talks, a young, a young girl at an affluent high school waited for everyone to leave. And she walks down to me and she goes, how do I get hope? And think of all the stories, all the experiences, all the overcomes we have in this room that we can go tell young adults coming after us that we could leave it better than we found it. But many of us are just afraid or think it won't make a difference. God's still writing your story. Stop trying to steal the pen. Mark Twain told the story of a, a man who died and he met St. Peter at the pearly gates and realizing that St. Peter was wise and knowledgeable, he asked St. Peter, he said, I've been interested in military history for years. Tell me, who was the greatest general of all time? St. Peter said, oh, that's easy. It's that man right over there. And the man said, you may be confused, St. Peter. I, I knew that man on earth and he was just a common laborer. St. Peter said, that's right, my friend. He would have been the greatest general of all time if he had been a general. So as you can tell, leaving it better than we found it isn't about us. It's about others. And here's why. Because a life chasing solely after your own desires and wants will find you an empty, shallow, and lonely life. Society tells us to follow ourselves, our own wishes and dreams. But most of society is unhappy, anxious, and miserable. It's not working. Hollywood is full of miserable rich people. Living for ourselves doesn't bring peace, only anxiety, and a lack of joy. And God put within us a need to serve others. And to go against that inherent need steals God's purpose for our gifts and talents. If your gift is serving, if it's a smile, if it's consoling. I mean, Paul lights us up about this. As a sign in our office says, when God blesses you, he seldom has you in mind. And last, can it make a difference? Well, it can. But it depends on how we deploy it. Here's what I know. You will rarely experience significance in your life until what you do contributes to the welfare of another person. 
But remember this, as we go out and try and figure out how to work that out, remember, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. Why is this important? Because you usually find what you look for. And we need to start to see and look for the good and the positive and the productive. Because remember what my friend Tammy, growing up, by the way, in rural South Georgia, taught me. Taught me this principle. To look at things from a different perspective. Pastor T.D. Jakes, he reminded me when he said this. The world as you know it is not the world. It is just as you know it. And a problem today is that we view apps that record what we watch, and they begin to feed us more and more, fueling what we hate and what drives us crazy. So the world just becomes as we know it. And we have no patience, no concern, no anything for others. This video by Chick-fil-A, I don't believe was supposed to be public. It was for internal training. Watch this video. If I've never walked in their shoes, felt their plight, heard their stories, I'll never leave anything better than I found it. In, starting to, in closing, I once heard somebody tell someone, I would have never gotten here without you. If someone said that to you, 
where would you, where would their hair be? Where would you most like to have people follow you? Does it, does it line up with your purpose? When people follow you, are they better off? In what areas? Are they better off in their health? Are they better off in finances? When they follow you, are they better off in their marriage, in their parenting, in their drinking or not? What areas are they better off? How would they finish this sentence? Watching him or her was a great example of blank. I love what Dabo Swinney of Clemson said. I will do all that I can while I can, so that when I cannot, I will not wish I would have when I could have. When the Berlin Wall came down, there were a lot of people from East Germany, which was the socialist, depressed part of Germany. They gathered garbage, trash, and took it over to West Germany, which is more modern like us, democratic. And they dumped garbage in front of the West Germans' homes. Kevin Elko tells of this story. And the people in West Germany, they knew who did it and they knew where they lived. And they got together and what they did in West Germany is they gathered up a bunch of food, non-perishable food, and they went to the people's houses who they knew brought that trash and they put it in front of those houses of those people that dumped the garbage. And there was a moment, he says, that they decided no matter who they are, this is who we are. Other people can be rude, but we're going to have a decision in this moment to be kind. And they could have left it alone at that, but they decided to put direction to their action and they put a sign by their food that said, I guess each of us gives what each of us have to give. Make a decision today that you're going to leave it better than you found it. And we say better. Respond to things with your abilities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Our lives are best when we're not the most important things in it. Because remember, there is someone following us. Leave them better than you found them. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the wisdom of the Apostle Paul who told us don't conform to the, to the ways of the world and society, but be transformed, be different, be weird by the renewing of our minds. And thank you for these lessons and thank you for this place with so many people to help us do that. Just always remember there's someone coming behind us and to leave them better than we found them. We love you and help us to all go be great. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Look forward to next week. If this is your first time, stop by the gallery and get your free gift. We love you. Thank you.